Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out To Be podcast. It's your host, Katie Zaccardi, and I have to warn you, what you're about to hear might be a little bit jarring. I'm totally joking. It's I'm being dramatic, but it might be jarring because <laughs> we're going to talk about all things the Enneagram, and you're about to listen to me basically deconstruct everything I thought I knew about myself and about it and rediscover that um, while I thought I was a three, I may in fact be an eight. And quite frankly, I'm actually very much leaning towards the fact that I am an eight. During this episode, our guest Kelly Tibbetts is going to walk us through each Enneagram type as well as the three instincts. And we're going to talk about wings and so much other juicy stuff to help you better understand yourself. At the beginning of the episode, you'll hear me share that I am a three with confidence and then slowly start to talk about how I thought I might be an eight and I got the eight in the quiz. And um, she's so great because she... Kelly is an Enneagram coach and she helps creative leaders invest their um, energy and create results. And so as you can tell, she's a coach. So she totally goes into coach mode and she starts to ask me some questions as we go through to help me get clarity and see what's resonating and and all that stuff. So it's really interesting to listen because not only are you going to get everything you need to know about your own self as a great starting point to move forward from, but you're also going to hear um, both sides to things as I start to process process through what's coming up for me and what it means or doesn't mean and and all that stuff. So it's super interesting. Um, After this episode, I actually listened to a couple panels where people were talking about the Enneagram and I definitely resonated a lot with the eight. And the reason I say again, it's jarring is because so many times you guys have heard me call myself an Enneagram three. It's even on my website. So I am totally (laughs) figuring this out right now. Um, I went back to my quiz results that I took a really long time ago, and I was like almost 50-50, three versus eight. So I actually, like, if you guys take the quiz that is going to tell you your Enneagram type, which you totally can if you're new to this, because it'll be, I think, a good starting point to see where you might, what you might be, but mine literally gives me a score of 26 points to the eight, 30 or 20 points to the three, and then 19 to the seven. So it's just very interesting how that works out because it's very close tie between the eight and the three. As you can see, I've been really going back and forth between these two, and you're going to hear it in this episode, so I'm just warning you in advance. All right, so before we dive in, I do want to mention one more thing, and that is that Out to Launch Patreon edition is open for enrollment. So this is really exciting. Enrollment's going to close on Monday of next week, so if you're listening to this, this is pretty much your last chance. We're coming up on the last few days here for you to schedule your candidate call for Out to Launch Patreon edition. I'll keep this short and sweet, but if you are someone who wants to launch a Patreon of your own or relaunch a Patreon that you already have, but just isn't really giving you what you want it to, then this is the perfect program for you. You absolutely need to head to katiezacardi.com slash out to launch Patreon and schedule a candidate call with me. On this call, we'll talk a little bit more about your goals, your desires, what you're struggling with. We'll see if this program is truly the perfect fit for you. And if it is, we'll talk about enrollment and invite you to join. All of the questions you have and information about the program is at katiezacardi.com slash out to launch Patreon. But if you have any questions that are holding you back from scheduling your call, feel free to DM me on Instagram at katiezacardi and we can talk about it there. 
But again, this program is built out in such a way that you will have the support that you need in the time you need without rushing it to be able to successfully launch your Patreon, bring in the recurring income you're desiring, make sure that you have a really strong community of super fans who are supporting you and also make sure that you are able to have multiple streams of income so you're not relying on just in-person income or an unreliable source of income or even a reliable source of income that just could be taken away because after this last year we know that uh, not everything is as set in stone as it might seem and things can change rather quickly which is why multiple streams of income comes in handy. And that's why I highly recommend launching a Patreon and why you should consider launching one and taking this course if you are ready to launch one. So the group program is going to start in September. Once again, head to katiezacardi.com slash out to launch Patreon to schedule your call. We are already really ramping up enrollment. I've got a ton of calls on the calendar this week and the spots are going to be filled really quickly. So if you're interested, take action now. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode with Kelly, all about the Enneagram. Hey, Kelly, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Thanks, Katie. I'm excited to be here. Me too. So today we're going to talk about the Enneagram, uh, which my listeners and followers on Instagram have heard me talk about many a times because I often reference that I'm a type three. Um, But today we're going to go into all of the types and so much more. Before we get there, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got into the Enneagram? Sure. So my name is Kelly Tibbetts. I'm a life coach from New Hampshire. I was a pastor for 17 years, and before that, I was a teacher for kindergarten and third grade. And I discovered the Enneagram in 2017. And what it really did is I've been married to my husband for 25 years. We have three adult daughters, and the five of us are five different numbers, three different instincts. Wow. And (laughs) everyone moved back home for COVID. And um, we were so thankful for our knowledge of the Enneagram, of where we go in stress and in health, because it really gave us a language that we could use with each other. So you keep mentioning you're a three. It helps people who know you to know you're a future focused person who loves to be productive and get things done. And, you know, the other side of that, every single number has some positive and negative qualities. You know, sometimes you might need to cut a corner to get something done and be productive. And, you know, you want the people you're in relationship with to have some grace with that. So I think Enneagram does that. It just helps us have like a common language for why we think, feel and do life the way we do. Yeah. So there's nine numbers that people can be and of course, wings and a lot of different things that we can know. So how can people find out what their number is? I know there's like quizzes. Some people say don't take the quiz, just read about it. What do you recommend? Yeah, that's why I actually became a life coach. So um, the Enneagram does have a lot of different quizzes out there. And if you're going to use a quiz, take two or three of them and then just notice the two or three numbers that keep coming up at the top and spend some time deep diving into them. What you really don't want to do is take a quiz, find a number and stay on that path because that could be the number you go to in stress. It could be the number that you go to um, when you're your family of origin. It could be one of your wings. So you want to take it as information, but you don't want it to be like, well, I took one test. It said I was a nine and therefore it is. The tests are often 70 to 80% accurate, but you don't want to be in that 20 to 25% and then you're doing the wrong work because that's not going to serve you at all. Interestingly, when I take the quiz, I usually get eight. And mm. I resonate a lot with eight. So this is, a, this is another question I'll ask before we get into the actual types. But I've also heard from people like, it is what it is like what after childhood it's locked in and you can't change but I kind of feel like I used to be an eight and then after college I went through a lot of personal transformation personal growth and now I see more three in me but like I used to I don't know like is first of all is there a correlation between three and eight where that would just point blank make sense or is it something where it's like no you're this and and there's 
there's no going back or you can change. How does that work? Yeah. Well, you know, what's so fun is I joined Clubhouse this year. I don't know if you've gone to Clubhouse yeah. and they have a lot of great Enneagram rooms. And what's amazing is you meet people from around the world. Yeah. So for people who don't live in America, they say all of us Americans, no matter what number we are, we sound like threes. So That's three so is the American way of being, right? Be productive, show up, go past your limits, get the stuff done. Yeah. And so female eights in general are not affirmed growing up. So it's hard to find a lot of female eights who are like, people loved me being an eight. My oldest daughter is an eight. And the Enneagram really opened up her world to stand in that strength. So three, seven, and eights do have something in common. That is a future-focused energy that we describe as aggressive. And so some teachers like to you know, make that more like an assertive but no, it's aggressive. It means that you have the ability to move independently of other people. Mm -hmm. Three, seven, eights have that aggressive future focused energy. Ones, twos, and sixes have a compliant energy. And so just the fact that you're showing up three and eight means that you have an independent energy. You don't need other people to show you which way to go. You know what to do. Really good yeah. entrepreneurial energy. And so maybe when we go through today and we talk about the core fear, the core desire, you might notice something that yeah. of course, as an American, we're always going to pop up on the three side, right? Yeah. But is your core desire, your core fear, your core weakness, is it three? Is it eight? It'd be interesting to look. Yeah, well, let's let's go ahead and find out. I think it's three because that was where I got clarity. I worked with a coach who was really into it and I was the things I would struggle with in my business and do struggle with tended more three, but this this will be a good test. <laughs> this is super fun. Well, great. So we're gonna go around like we're going around the clock. And if you're listening to this, you know, the things that you would wanna be noticing is some of these numbers are not gonna resonate with you at all. And that's the first place of really good information, which numbers are not mine. So in general, depending on your stage of health, there'll be four to five numbers you resonate with and four to five that you don't. And that's because you have your own number, the number on either side, which is your wing, and the number you go to generally in stress and generally in health. And the reason I say generally is you generally act one way around your family of origin and a different way, like you said, after college or whenever you become independent. And some people don't do that. They go right from their family of origin right into a marriage or something and they mm. never notice that. Yeah. So when we're helping people find their number, we usually say like, go back to that time, early 20s, your own apartment, your own life, you're just feeling like you, and that's the information you want to use to figure this out. So we're going to start with the one. And so the Enneagram one is um, in the gut center. Eights, nines, and ones have the ability to process life's information from their gut, from their body. And so they might notice, or people around them might notice that they are the people who come up with the action, the to-do list pretty quickly. And ones are known as the perfectionists, but really I like Ian Crone's word, which is the improver. Okay. And so they're the ones who can almost always walk into a room and say, oh, that paint is chipped over there and that picture is a little askew and those books are not color coded like they can't help it. And inside of their body, right, because they're that body centered person, they have a rule book of what they think the right and wrong ways to do things are. And so um, ones in general, they have a fear of being bad or wrong and they have this core desire to be good. And so like integrity and doing things the right way really merit, matter, um, matter to them. So if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'd say like Amy Santiago is your typical one. Like there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do things. And what they're really struggling with is anger. Eights, nines, and ones. What they're pushing against is rage. And rage is when anger moves past their limits, right? And so right. eights are able to take that rage and push it out. Nines will suppress it to keep the peace and ones will literally keep it in their body. And so when I coach ones, first of all, they don't believe they have any rage. And second, when they do their work, they realize it's like, it's kind of in their fingers. It's like way, you know? Ooh. And so finding a way to just notice it, journal, talk to a therapist, 
workout, but eights, yeah. nines, and ones, you need to connect to your body and listen. And so then we go over to the twos, threes, and fours. So we're just going around the clock. Twos, threes, and fours are in the heart center. So they're processing information, not from their body, but from their heart. And twos and fours um, are aware of their own feelings and threes are not. In order to be productive, threes take their feelings, and they just put them to a little box. One of my daughters is a three. And so threes need someone they feel safe with to go on walks or drives where you don't look anyone in the eye. And you just get to the place where you can connect to your body and say, what am I feeling? And let yourself feel them. Feelings are just vibrations. You think a thought, it makes a vibration in your body. And the best gift you can give yourself is to just let that feeling be. So twos and fours become codependent because we're so aware of everyone else's feelings, right? Threes are also really aware of the feelings. They just don't make it mean anything. So okay. threes are often really good at sales because they can walk in a room. Twos, threes, and fours can generally walk in a room and tell other people how they're feeling, even if they don't notice. So is that something you notice? Like you'll go into a space and you know how other people are feeling? So... What's really interesting is that I, one of my biggest um, struggles in business, I do think I'm really good at sales, but sometimes I will take it very personally if I don't hit a goal, if I don't sign a, a client, or usually it, I, I've been able to get over that more. Like at the beginning, it was harder if it's like, why did this client sign? Now it's more about like bigger launches of like, why didn't I hit my launch goal? Or why isn't my audience responding the way I want them to? So it sounds like that's not quite a three, but it could, maybe it's a one. Yeah, it's more work to do. And just a really great thing to do. I'm also um, someone who's done a lot of work with the life coach school. And just to notice, hey, the reason you're feeling whatever you're feeling is from a thought. And you don't have to make yeah. it mean anything. I'm on the path to where I want to be. So the twos, they have a core desire and that is to be loved. And their biggest fear is that they're not going to be wanted. And so what do twos need to hear from their people, right? They need to hear you are wanted, right? So if you're in a relationship with the two, they're looking for that language. If you're in a relationship with one, you want to be pointing out like you did a good job. That was done really well because yeah. the ones get a little internal <laughs> monologue going on all the time. Like, oh, that wasn't right. And this wasn't right. And so the Enneagram helps us in relationship, but the most important relationship we have is with ourselves. And so what do yeah. we need to speak of ourselves? Of course I'm loved. I'm so um, I know we're going to be talking to a lot of creative people, right? And creative yeah. people generally tend to be in the two, three, four energy because they can connect emotionally. Mm. And that's where our poets come from and our writers and our musicians. So just to notice the power of feelings is that it's a vibration in your body. Pay attention to it. Give it all your energy. And then know like an ocean wave, it's going to move through you, but it's giving you good information. Um, our threes are the successful achievers also in that heart center processing life from their heart, but they have a different desire. The two wants to be loved. The three wants to be seen as successful, productive. They want people to think that they're valuable. And so what does a three need to do? They need to recognize the value in their life that is not connected to productivity. So where do you notice that for yourself? How do you like really just realign with your internal intrinsic value? How, now, how have you worked for you? So especially as a business owner, I think that it's like, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about people finding me productive, but I definitely am like, I want people to see me as the authority, as someone who knows what she's doing, as running a successful business. And as I was saying before, I think it's really easy, certainly for me to get caught up and fully focused on business and only the business and, you know, making a launch or a goal mean so much more than it is. So for me, um, and this is an exercise I actually just did recently for like the second half of the year but I have to sit down and look at every area of my life of like how am I doing not just in the business but in my relationships in my health in my wellness you know these kinds of things and recently too I went through this process and I realized like I need to join maybe like a couple memberships or in-person 
uh, groups or with like yoga and meditation so I can connect more with these people and really like ground down mm-hmm. and not just focus all on go, go, go. Because I could go forever. I could be like a freaking energizer bunny, but then eventually I would just crash. <laughs> Absolutely. Enneagram three, sevens, and eights, they feel like they don't have limits to their energy. And then they go not only past their limit, too tired, too exhausted, too depleted. And then the recovery takes so long. So that's awesome. And then our fourth- know my past. I started as a wellness coach because I burnt out and wanted to help other people not do that. So it all tracks, you guys. (laughs) It does all track. And just, you know, the key for all of us is self-awareness, right? And then when we are taking good care of ourselves, we're not looking for other people who are exhausted. I mean- COVID has across the board exhausted people mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, right? So people can't pour into you. So it's our job to be self-aware, know what we need, and then do it for ourselves. So two, threes, and fours, again, the heart center processing life through their feelings. Fours are very aware of their own feelings and can go deeply into feelings. Another thing that America has that other countries aren't quite the same because of our threeness of putting the feelings to the side, we don't always honor the feelings on the other side of the feelings wheel, right? We like the up and to the right feelings, like you're happy and joyful and excited and committed. But we're supposed to feel all the feelings, right? That's why we love music, why we love art. It connects us to that other side of sometimes the right feeling is sad. Sometimes the right feeling is frustrated. And so fours are really good at feeling their feelings. One of my favorite teachers is Ian Cron. He wrote The Road Back to You with Suzanne Stabile. When I saw him speak, he said, you know, the thing about a four is they wear their feelings the way uh, I love my anxiety blanket. I love how it makes me feel. It's comfortable. It like makes me feel. Fours like feelings that way. Like deep feelings feel good. And so fours often will speak to growing up as a child, people saying like, you're too much, right? You're too emotional. You're too much. What if you're not? What if you're the one that's going to help the rest of us connect to that part of who we are? That's my hope for all my Enneagram 4s. I have an Enneagram 4 niece who's an artist and a musician. She lives in California. And that's what I want her to believe about herself, that they're not too much with their feelings. It's exactly right. I just Googled, is Taylor Swift an Enneagram 4? Because I was like, she has to be. And it said yes. <laughs> yeah. But huge three wing, right? Huge three wing. Super yeah, productive. Yeah, yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. And we don't know, right? Like, every number goes to a place in stress and health. Like, you know, the reason I would guess she's a four is you do see that two that comes out where she goes and makes cookies for people. And, you know, the Mm -hmm. one where she gets things like freaking amazing from the, you know, cover of, a you know, matching the colors that she's wearing on Instagram. So yeah, we don't know what anyone's motivation is. You can say for sure, yeah. (laughs) You can say for sure, but her behavior. So yeah, that's the thing about the Enneagram is you want to do your own work because nobody but you knows your motivation. So the motivation of a three is the desire inside you intrinsically to be productive, to get the things done, to be successful. You want to create this, you know, sense of value by what you produce. That's very different from what an eight wants. And so that's why no one else can tell you what you are. You have to do your own work. Yeah. So what's the motivation for a four? The motivation for a four is to be unique, right? Like they are the ones who are bringing to the world what depth and beauty really are. And so the four's desire is not for anyone to come up to them and be like, you are exactly like every other musician. That's fantastic, right? Like they're trying to be specially unique and fours are looking to create relationships and a life where there's depth and beauty. So since we brought it up a little bit here, uh, wings are a thing and that's the numbers next to your number, right? So how do wings work? Is it only the numbers around you? Is it only one of them? How do we kind of figure out where we might be a wing and how that exactly plays out? Yeah, the ideal way to to do Enneagram work is to first figure out what is your motivation. And your motivation is your core fear, your core design, your core weakness, really naming them and understanding them. And that's how you find your number, right? Like each number is unique there. And so the two things that are important to notice while you're figuring out your number is where is your energy? Is it a focused um, on the future, present or past? 
Um, and are you in the heart, head or gut center? Those are the things that are gonna give you information that help you find your number. And then once you know your number, you're gonna know that you have the ability, not everyone uses it, to sway to the behavior on either side. So I'm an Enneagram too. My deep desire is to be loved and wanted. What I love to do with my life is to be helpful. So you're like, hey, does anyone wanna help and be on my podcast? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then I have the ability to lean into either side, to the one or the three. Mm. So I can be with the behaviors that are more, um, you know, Martha Stewart-like and yeah. getting things done in a really perfect way. And for me, that's when I'm around my family of origin or when I'm more stressed. When I'm more stressed, I want like bookshelves cleaned and cabinets cleaned. And, and then the other side of me is the three, like you, more productive. That's, I think three is very entrepreneurial spirit. Like how am I going to create something from nothing? And you don't always use both wings. Sometimes one of them wasn't allowed in your family of origin, you haven't developed it yet. But mm -hmm. generally you develop one in childhood and one later in life, like after your 20s. And ideally you're not stuck in one set of behaviors, right? Like if, if you're very rigid and we go through this and you're like, I'm always a six, I never move, I'm always a six. That's like a sign to go to a therapist, right? And really try to figure out like, what is making you so stuck? Yeah. Because we wanna be fluid. We wanna be like in my number two and then I wanna to move to the three, to the one. I wanna be able to go to eight. I wanna be able to go to four. I wanna see that movement. So you have movement between five numbers. The most natural to notice is one of your wings either. So as a three, do you notice that um, four or two wing, um, especially in your childhood, did you notice either of those? I think maybe two would probably resonate more than the four. But I also, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about where we go in stress. Because yeah. I, I feel like that's gonna be really, for me personally, it's gonna kind of break through things. Cause I do wonder if it's actually, I resonate with this when I'm in stress, but when I'm not stressed, this is where I really live. You know what I yeah. mean? And so that, the best thing you can do if you decide you want to learn more about yourself, I think of all the tools. I love all the tools. I'm certified in working genius. I love all the tools. I think the Enneagram is the best one. It gives you the best information about why you do what you do, not just what you do. So then twos, threes, and fours are in the heart. And again, you can move to the wings, which is the number on either side. We're going to move over now to the other center of intelligence, which is the thinking center. And so if you can think of like a three-layer cake, one of these three centers of intelligence is easy for you to access. One you can access when you're healthy. And one is like really kind of hard to get to. You might need therapy, you might need a lot of work and you're trying to create balance in your life, but all of us naturally process life information through one of these three centers. So twos, threes, and fours, it's the feelings. Feelings are the information we take. Five, sixes, and sevens, it's the thinking center. And again, in America, the thinking center is like elevated. I live in New England, especially here, right? Like going to college, using your brain. If you Google something or there's a paper that affirms it, then that seems like it's better information than an eight, nine, or one who just has deep gut information mm -hmm. or a two, three, or four with their feelings. So five, sixes, and sevens, they're gonna process life from their thinking center. And fives, um, they're deep thinkers, right? They're known as our investigative thinkers. And their hope is that they can keep themselves safe with their information. We always say like back in the day before there was the internet, the Enneagram five would have loved to get like a set of encyclopedias. So if Taylor Swift is a four, her five wing would be like her ability to go so deep into the producing and the recording and all the language and the history that comes up with the song. So fives love to go deep with information. So um, the internet, you know, is great for our Enneagram fives. And they are not in the future <laughs> and they're not in the present. They are in the past. And what that means is fours, fives, and nines are really good at remembering. 
and reminding people, hey, remember we said that or this happened in the past? Three, sevens and eights really struggle to go back to the past and fours, fives and nines struggle to go into the future. So my mom is an Enneagram seven, super fun. But as soon as her birthday day is here, she is on to the next one. <laughs> a four, five, and nine wants a scrapbook and wants to look back at her pictures and remember why she did what she did. That's Very funny. different energy. So yeah. <laughs> three different. So again, more three, seven, eight energy. Like what's tomorrow? What's next week? Really excited by it. If you're surrounded by some four, fives, and nines, that's hard for them to get to. And it's important for you to say to them, like, I don't really like focusing on the past. I don't really yeah. like spending a lot of energy on the past. Sixes are also in the thinking center, but they have a different goal than the five, and that is to be safe. They are known as our loyalists. Sixes are the people that if they join your team. They're not leaving. They're for you. They're trying to find that connection. And a way for a six to know they're a six is they just have this tendency to always be looking out and trying to figure out, like, is everything okay? So my husband is an Enneagram six, software engineer, really good career for a six. And he's the one who always looks at the weather for us. So my girls don't even look at the weather. They're like full-blown adults, but they know that, like, if there's a big storm coming, their dad's going to tell them. And so the sixes are um, also thinking, but they're in the present, like what needs to be done today? The fives are more focused on the past and yeah. then the sevens are in the future with their thinking. And they prefer the side of the feelings wheel where everything is positive. Sevens will reframe anything negative into a positive as often as they can. So they are our optimists. They are always the people that are the life of the party. If you know strength finders, they're usually the ones with the woo. So three, seven, eight energy is a thinking energy. Two, three, four is a heart focus energy. And then eight, nine, and one is a body centered energy. So any questions on our five, sixes, and sevens? I'm pretty clear. I think uh, I definitely am curious to know if any types are rarer than others because and then maybe it's industry specific too, but I feel like I know a lot of threes, sevens, and eights, and a lot of my clients are also threes or sometimes twos or ones with wings. Mm. Um, so is that, like, I don't know a lot of fives or sixes or nines, I don't think, um, but I'm just wondering if that just happens to be the case or if that's common. Or industry specific, right? So my husband is a software engineer and I would say a lot of the people he works with are fives and sixes, yeah. right? People who would prefer to sit in an office all day and code are probably not sevens or threes. Yeah. Right? They don't wanna go out and meet all the people. And so, yeah, I think you end up attracting people like you. And one of the best things we can do is we become self-aware is look for people who have these different skills, right? And be humble enough to be able to learn from each other. So, but probably some sevens around you, some of the fun life of the party friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of coaches who have seven energy too. That's just like, woo, let's do it. You need <laughs> it, you need it, right? To be like, yeah. tomorrow's gonna be better. It's gonna definitely, be great. <laughs> definitely. Um, okay, so we've got eight and nine left, right? Yes, so eight, nines and ones are in the gut or body center. So when I'm coaching an eight, nine or one, I always want them to be able to drop into their body. It's one of the gifts yoga gives us to really be able to sense like, from a place of grounding, like what is it that your body is telling you? Five, sixes and sevens, if you ask them something, they're probably gonna notice what they're thinking and twos, threes and fours are probably gonna notice what they're feeling. And so one thing you might notice is you, for a week, ask your friends to point out every time you say, I think, I feel, yeah. I know, that will give you some information too. So our eights, um, that's one of the numbers, twos and eights, male and female present very differently. So a two female is that nurturing mother type and is affirmed in a female and male twos, you know, and you know, from how few male teachers and how preschool teachers and how few male nurses there are, yeah. there are any gram two males. They just don't always have the role model around them to help them affirm that this is the right number. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing with female eights. So female eights usually know they're an eight because their whole life they've been told you're so bossy. You're always trying to take charge. You're, you know, you're too loud. You're too much. 
We don't say that to our male aides. Okay, like, now you're the leader. <laughs> I wrote my college essay about being too loud, so <laughs> so that could explain a lot as well. <laughs> well, and so that's a very interesting thing to know. So the eight has a core desire, and that is from this sense of like what justice is. We talked about Enneagram ones have like a rule book in their life of what's the right way and the wrong way to do things. Eights walk around with in their body, they know what justice is and they feel compelled with this like aggressive future focused outward energy to fight for the justice for those around them that they perceive as weaker. So, you know, eights are constantly like sort of in this self-protective place and their work is a lot of what Brené Brown tells us to do, right? To just find that place where you can be vulnerable and safe. And so eights, um, you know, they have the two wings, the seven wing, which is like exciting and fun. And so a seven with an eight wing, you might notice that in your family and origin as defiance, like this need to be very defiant. Or if your family of origin pushed you towards the nine wing, that might, they might say of you, you're very stubborn, right? So it's a different way of expressing that outward aggressive energy. And then eight goes to two different places in stress and health. And one is to two, which is a very nurturing energy. And one is to five, which is like a desire to go very deep in information. So yeah, what does eight sound like? to you now that you've heard a little bit more about it i definitely resonate i'm i want to know you guys if you're listening let me know what you think i am <laughs> i'm so curious to know what, what they think but i'm both defiant and stubborn in many ways so like for me the wings make sense but this is something now that we've kind of done all of them oh we haven't done that yet but i'll ask this real quick because one thing that i realized was that i kind of boiled it down to, I need that validation. Like I really thrive off of my audience responding to me. I thrive off of client relationships. Like it's helpful for me to have validation, which I feel like often seems like a negative word. We're just going to neutralize it. It's not necessarily negative or positive, but in the Enneagram sense, it did come up of that is more of a type three thing. Is that accurate though? Or is that not accurate? Well, the reason I became a coach and I actually have a six week session that I would love for you to take. This might help you. <laughs> There's not nine numbers. That's the struggle, right? Yeah. There are three instincts that when I teach the Enneagram, I start in the instincts. And so I'll just go over them really quickly after I talk about the nine. So the nine is the peacemaker and the nine is also in the gut center. And if they trust themselves in their gut, they know what to do. But yeah. since childhood, they've been trying to find peace and harmony. So they will suppress that in order to find the peace and harmony. Mm -hmm. And so four, fives and nines, they're more focused on the past. They're really good at remembering information. Ones, twos, and sixes, more present focus. Three, seven, eight, future aggressive energy. And that's why three, seven, eight sometimes can mistype, right? Because yeah. you've got this outward aggressive energy. You are someone who lives in America, so you're going to have that three energy to begin with. So let's stay yeah. in the eight for a little bit by talking about the three subtypes. And so these instincts, before COVID, did you have any relationships that got strained during COVID? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, and we all did, right? Like there were divorces and breakup of friendships. I wanna talk about the instincts because I really think that's the key. So there are three instincts. And generally there's one that you have that is your base instinct. And then you have a second instinct that you have access to when you're healthy and a third one that is repressed. And so when two healthy people are in a relationship, they always have an overlapping instinct. But when life gets really hard and stressful through death, through loss, through all the different things, you shrink back into that one primary instinct. And so when my girls came back home, you know, they were out thriving, living their life. They're stuck back home with their parents. No one knows if anyone's going to live a year, right? Like, is college going to come back? We all shrunk back into our primary instincts. And 
I would have thought I was a social, like if people met me, they would say, oh, she's a social Enneagram too with a big three wing. No, I was a self-preservation too. I had just been living in such a healthy space for so long that it looked like I was social, but I was really self-preservation. So was my husband made our relationship super easy. Mm. But if we had gone into two different ones and didn't have that common one, it would have made the whole 18 months of hanging out together really hard. So a self-preservation instinct is the instinct that lets you know if you're hot or cold, you're hungry, you're tired. Are you preserving yourself? And, and if you're a mom or someone who cares for somebody else, it's you and yours, right? It's not just you. Then there's the social instinct, which is like the y'all is more important than the me. And so whether it's a group you're a part of or an organization, you're gonna go past your limits to make sure the y'all is all set. Now that sometimes is confused as eight energy because you see the protective challenger, but really it's a social instinct. Yeah. And then the third one is the one-to-one -one instinct. And this is what I wanted you to listen to because that's where you look for the validation. So when you have the one-to-one -one instinct, I don't actually have it. Two of my children have it. You can walk into a crowded room and you know if anyone else has it. It's this desire, right? So they're called self-preservation, social, and then sexual or one-to-one. -one. And it doesn't mean sex. It means that connection of intimacy and intensity. And so one of my favorite Enneagram mates who has this instinct, she says it's like she would just rather go scuba diving than snorkeling. Like she would rather have the deep conversation or the deep, intense experience rather than the like, you know, shallow one. And I would say that's not true of me at all. What did you notice when I said those three really fast? Anything come to mind? <laughs> I'm stressing out because, no, I just don't know. Like, I, this is why Enneagram, like I sort of settled on three because it, it made more sense, but I do find it kind of challenging for me because I feel like it's a both and, and I'm trying to think of like childhood versus where I am now versus when I was more independent, but I do feel like, yes, I like to go deep with people, but I also have a very much like take care of me first and then take care of others. So like if, uh, 100%. if I'm stress, like if I'm in stress and I, I have anxiety, I talked about it on the podcast, so like if I'm feeling anxious and I need food or I need water or any of those things, I will just be like, everyone stop. I need what I need. I don't care. We're, we're making this work. But if I'm okay, but I notice that someone else needs help, or like you were saying, the group needs help, then I will be, and I will take charge very much so, and like serve the greater community, but I'm also not afraid to serve myself first. It's so great. And so that's a really good piece of self-awareness. If you have a self-preservation instinct, that's the primary driving instinct, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Like, why do we think, especially as females, that it's better for us to sacrifice ourselves at the expense of others? What do they always tell us on the airline? Like, yeah. make sure you take care of yourself first. Oh, yeah. Every single piece of information from the Enneagram is 50-50. There's a spot, a piece of information that's going to serve you and serve the world. And there's a piece that you're like, I don't really like this. That's good to know, right? So yeah. if you are self-preservation instinct, that's really important for you to know. So one way to know self-preservation, do you notice the like feeling of material when you're wearing clothing? Do you notice the temperature of a room? Um, all right. So like people who don't have self-preservation instinct, they forget to eat. They like yeah, I don't climb do that. Mount I, Everest, right? But you hear people and you're like, wait, what? When people are like, oh, it's 3 p.m. and I didn't eat. I'm like, I have lunch scheduled into my calendar every day. I cannot relate to that. <laughs> and so, but it, you're not judging then. So you have one primary one and then depending on how healthy you are, that's what you said. Yeah. If your needs are taken care of, then you have the space for the next instinct. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then there's one that you're like, that's kind of repressed in me, but that's what makes relationship hard. If you're in relationship with somebody and that's their driving instinct and you don't have it yeah. and you're both so stressed that you don't have the common instinct, it makes relationship really difficult. Yeah. And so that's what the Enneagram does. It gives us like a ton of grace for each other. Like you and yeah. I can think, feel, and do life differently and they're both great. And yeah. so it's not an easy thing to find. It takes work. One way to know you found yours is it really feels uncomfortable. It's like you're really known. Like, oh, wait, this is what this means. Oh, I'm not really. Because like part of being a three, if it's not feeling like uncomfortable for you to be a three, it might just be the easy way of being an American is to be three. And it's so affirmed. Yeah, yeah. And being an eight and being a challenger and having this fear of being controlled and fighting for your own truth. Like if that wasn't affirmed, of course, we're going to shrink that down. I'm an Enneagram two female. That's an affirmed Enneagram number, right? People are like, great, you're so mothering and nurturing and you should be a kindergarten teacher. And yeah. I was, and that all works. My daughter is an Enneagram eight for a long time, felt like she was incorrect. And yeah. males who are Enneagram eights often end up in leadership roles. because we're like, great, you're going to be the protective challenger. We're going to put you in that role. Okay. I have a question now because you saying that really makes me feel like I am an eight that maybe has been suppressed. Mm. Like in sense of, I feel like I wasn't validated of, I get to be strong. I get to boss people around in a way. You know what I mean? Like, right. But why, why even laugh at the thought of boss people around? If you were a man, you would never laugh saying, no, oh, true. people, they'd be like, I'm the boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But I mean, I have a feeling I might be surrounded by other eights in my family or other people who are just, I don't know, resistant to eights or also being in controlled, but which is why maybe there was like pushback, but. Well, not just that. If you are a self-preservation eight, you would not feel safe yeah. to be the eight. So the eight that is the one-to-one yeah. -one eight appears like a stronger eight. The self-preservation eight is the counter type. So we didn't get into that, but each of these numbers has a counter type based on these three instincts where people wouldn't notice you're that because you're trying to keep yourself safe and have this deep desire to be, you know, to not be vulnerable. So here's a question for you. What is the thought of being an orphan or being alone? Like, did you ever yeah. play yes. orphan? Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. yes. and I always thought like, it's fine. I'll, I'll take care of my siblings. I'll do it. I'll run the house. I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Yeah. So do you just might, I'll send you over some information and you can go a little deeper with eight and see what comes up. Do you, but... think, I'm, do you think I'm an eight? Well, you know, what's funny is <laughs> female eights, I feel like it is sort of my purpose on earth to help affirm female eights, right? Yeah. And I think we live at a great time where women are strong and women are leaders and you are surrounded by examples, but it's worth noticing not just the number and the motivation for the number, it's worth noticing which wings resonate and then where does it resonate in the path to stress and health? So yeah. when I was talking about the nine, you were almost fine with skipping over it. The three goes to nine energy, right? And the eight goes to nine energy. So it's interesting to notice do you go there? And if so, in stress or in health. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth taking the time to do this so very slowly because you don't yeah. want to end up on the wrong path, right? Absolutely. And that's why the quizzes can give us some information. But again, look at the two or three numbers at the top. Yeah. And especially if you're a female and there's any chance of you being an eight, spend some extra time there and do some digging because it may yeah. not have been affirmed. But picture yourself on the playground. Like, what was a year you really liked being you? First grade, second grade, third grade. Can you think back? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a really hard question. I don't know. I feel like... I'm just wondering if anyone ever called you bossy when you were on the playground or... Not necessarily, but I do feel like I was sort of shut down in some ways. 
like in in grammar school and high school, it, maybe not always wanting to be like my full self. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And then like I wrote my college essay about being loud, like I said, because that I would always just I wasn't afraid of it. But when it did come out, there would always be pushback of like, oh, you're so annoying. You're so loud. You're so bossy. And so that feels like it resonates with me in that way. And this is what I was going to ask, because one coach who I who really likes the Enneagram, who I worked with, she would she's an eight. And she's like, I don't give a shit what anybody says or thinks of me or any of that. And that's where I don't resonate with that. Like, Of I course, because she is not a self-preservation eight. Okay, so that's where the distinction really comes And in. so was she a certified Enneagram coach or she just enjoyed the Enneagram? No, she just really enjoys it. Yeah. Right. And we, that's why it, it takes time to do these layers. You know, like I'm on year four of studying this. And yeah. a self-preservation eight and a one-to-one eight are so different. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 And so I love that layer of it. So everyone listen to this back like 20 times if you need to and figure out which type resonates and, and which self or which, uh wait, what's it called? Well, the three instincts, again, self-preservation instinct. You're going to notice that for your whole life, you're aware of temperature, food, clothing, like anything that would keep you safe. So during COVID, self-preservation three, I'm out there making sure we have the toilet paper, right? And were you making sure you had the things? Oh, yeah. I I was stocking up on the supplements. Like I was like, yeah. (laughs) And just know that someone who is repressed in that self-preservation, they're going to need systems to remember to eat, systems to remember to take care of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Then the social instinct Again, you may have that as your primary instinct. It may be the instinct that shows up when you're safe. So you're saying if your self-preservation needs are met, then you move over to the make sure everybody else is okay. That's It's a layer thing, right? And then the final one, the intensity and the intimacy. This is how you know if you have that one. If you can't do something super fun like rock climbing or, you know, merging on a highway in a place you've never done before, a fight will do. You're just always looking for that energy. So if you're in a relationship with someone like that, she says it, right? Like, I don't give a shit. Come at me. She yeah. loves the energy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. The intimacy and the intensity creates the energy of sex. And if you can't get that through an activity, a fight will do. So if you're ever working with somebody and they seem to always want to start a fight, they probably have that one-to-one intensity mm. um, as their primary instinct. Interesting. Okay. Now, last question I want to ask you before we talk a little bit about like creativity, business. Like we said, you can go somewhere else in stress and in health. So can you even just walk through really quick what numbers can go to what other numbers and what that means? Yep. And the hard part about this, this is really why getting an Enneagram coach can change your life is because you have to go through this so slowly. Right. <laughs> you have to do the deep dive to find out your why. Yeah, and we're doing you the overview know. right now yep. so everyone can dive can Yeah. <laughs> but the reason I said four to five numbers are going to connect with you is you have a number, you have two wings, and you have a place you go in stress and a place you go in health. And what's unique about it is the number you go to in stress is stress with your people. But it's a different number with stress of the people you don't feel safe with. And so you go to a place in health with your people and and the other number. So as a two, I can go to the eight and I can go to the four in stress and health. I go to the eight in general with people who are not my people, right? So I'm at yoga and there's an obnoxious person in the gym, true story. And I really need yoga today, right? I'm like past capacity and they're being awful. And my poor little teacher is afraid to say anything because she works for the gym. My eight energy comes up and I stand up and go over and yell at the person who's being obnoxious in the middle of 
yoga class. Now, I don't normally do that. I'm a sweet little two. But when I go to that eight <laughs> energy, it yeah. comes out aggressive, future focused and protective, especially yeah. of this yoga instructor. So that's one path I can go to. The other path I can go to is the four, the creative side, right? The fours generally are really good at connecting, feeling wise to creativity. But it's also a place where I can go to those feelings that I generally don't pay much attention to, like the, the yeah. deeper, sadder feelings. So my dog of 12 years passed away in January. Oh, so and because sorry. I know this path, thank you, I sat with her the whole day before we had to put her down and I let myself feel all those feelings, right? It's an appropriate thing. When you're sad, you should be sad. Yeah. When you're angry, you should be angry. And so having this information served me. It also served me to know some of my family never goes into the heart center. And so it would be so unkind of me to be like, come sit on the floor with the dog and feel all your feelings. They don't go to four. They have no desire to go there. So eight, let's just go there for a minute and see what resonates with you. So eight can go to two or five. When an eight goes to five, you lose connection to your body. So the reason I want female eights to find out if they're an eight is because your body speaks to you. And like, if you can drop into it, you can actually really learn a lot. Yeah. When you get way past capacity and move to five, you lose that ability. You can't connect to your body. And so you go into your thinking center, but what you may notice is your thinking center just spins and spins and spins because you've lost that connection to your body to know that's the answer. So have you ever seen that where you've become so overwhelmed, your head is spinning, but you can't even figure out from your gut. So I often say eights don't need a map. They just sort of intuitively know where they're going. So that might be uh, you know, something for you to notice as a self-preservation eight, when you get past capacity, you might start thinking of all the things, but you can't actually do anything. Has that ever happened? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I could definitely come up with a million plans, but then like overthink which is the right one to actually execute. Which keeps yeah. you from actually doing anything. And then the <laughs> other path is to the two for, for an eight, they can go over to that two path in stress and health, which again, your eight, your desire for justice is going to rise up and try to be very protective and very nurturing, but often in a very unhealthy way. Like no one has asked you to step into that, right? Mm. It's sort of when helping hurts and not honoring boundaries. So it's just something to be aware of. Am I going to this number in stress or in health? And that's the work of the Enneagram is what does health look like for me yeah. spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically? If I can stay healthy, then I have access to these numbers in the healthiest way. So it's almost like you could be one number, but live in another number. It's the behavior of the other numbers. So the motivation is what you're trying to find out. What's your core fear, your core desire, your core weakness? That doesn't change. Yeah. So when I move to eight energy, I'm not suddenly someone who's out to like defend the world. Yeah. But my behavior might become a little more aggressive, a right. little more serving the world but my deep motivation is still to be loved and wanted that yeah. doesn't change yeah. yeah okay that makes a lot of sense so this is a bit random but in the next couple months on the podcast we're doing a whole series and we're talking about everything human design astrology chakras all this stuff yeah. and, uh, the episodes on chakras and human design has already come out and interestingly you also bring up you know these numbers feel from the gut, these from other parts. Do you, I, I'm not sure if you know a lot about those um, other modalities, but do you, is there a connection there in terms of like your human design versus your Enneagram and that kind of thing? I, I don't know what the connections are, but I'll be really surprised if there isn't. So yeah. I'm more familiar with like Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, um, the working genius, as I said. And what's really amazing is once you become self-aware. So, you know, I've talked to people about the, the different chakras and which ones are repressed in me and I will be really surprised if there's not like some beautiful overlay of how that information is all being processed, you know, yeah. body centered people being more aware versus thinking center, which is going to be over here. One thing I would, you know, offer people as they're doing this work is that might be another piece of information for you. 
right? If you can discover this through this way. So if you know anything about strength finders, like one of the strengths is called woo and it's the ability to win others over. I have not coached an Enneagram seven yet who wasn't high in that. Mm. If you know the Myers-Briggs, you know that there's thinking and feeling. Well, yeah. a five, six, and seven is probably going to be high in thinking, and a two, three, and four is probably going to be high in feeling. So that's a really interesting reason to study different things is to say, how can I be the best student of myself so that I notice when I'm in a healthy place or a stressed place? And then yeah. what's my responsibility as an adult to do the work to get back to that healthy version of me? Yeah. At the end of the episodes, I'm going to have everyone post on their stories like, this is my sun, moon rising, my Enneagram, my Myers-Briggs. <laughs> we'll have right. To- as much as you can, like be self-aware, right? Yeah. And then do the work, right? Like, I'll that's why we're doing- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's why we're doing it because I think it really helps. But then maybe we can decode as a group if there's a lot of connections there, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is so, so important. So we don't have too much time left, but with what we do, I'd love to talk about how we can connect with our creativity. And really on this podcast, we're talking to people who are both very creative and very business-minded because they're musicians, music entrepreneurs, music coaches who are going out on their own to take their creative gifts of playing music or helping people or whatever it is, often a combination of both of those things, and putting it out into the world. So when it comes to, I know they're very separate, but like both creativity and maybe even getting out there, putting yourself out there, what can we learn from each of our numbers? And what do does each number maybe need to keep in mind? Well, I think one important thing when you first reach out to me, I'm in the middle of, um, I think it's called the artist journey, but it has the morning pages where you work on becoming more creative, connecting those two parts of your yeah, brain. Yeah, the artist way, yeah. The artist way. I, I think that's the first step is for everybody to realize you are creative right? And of course, there's something inside of you, which is purpose, which is the reason to be entrepreneurial, right? There's something about you that needs to happen in this earth, like you're the only one who can do it. So that's the first thing is to find your group. Like my coaching is all about finding your circle, like finding four or five people that are in the same place that you are that can spur you on because it can be really hard, both the creativity and the entrepreneurial journey, right? They can both be exhausting You can get past your limits so easy, no matter which of those two sides. And if you're trying to do both at the same time, you have to be incredibly like determined to have good systems around you to succeed. Um, I think the Enneagram gives you good information that you can trust your center of intelligence. So eights, nines, and ones drop into your body. What, what information do you have? Listen to that. Twos, threes, and fours, your feelings are valid. And five, sixes, and sevens, like take the time to do that thought download. Notice which thoughts are running through your head because not all of them are true. And the thoughts we don't pay attention to are still creating the results of our life. Your thoughts create feelings. Feelings are vibrations in your body. And those vibrations move you towards or away from the action step. So if you feel overwhelmed and confused, you're going to lay in bed and put the blanket over your head. And if you feel committed and excited, you're going to go out and do the actions. And so become self-aware. Notice when you're tired. And what's the right thing to do when you're tired? Rest. (laughs) Like take care of yourself so that you can then go be productive. And when you go past those limits, have some kind of system in place. Okay, I'm going to do a hard run for two weeks as an entrepreneur. I'm going to use all my creativity for the next five nights. But then I'm going to set apart some time from a place of love to refill and refuel. Those would be the most important things I think people need to remember. Do you notice if there's any types where this type just seems to have unlimited flow of creative energy, whereas this type has bursts of it and then it sort of runs out or anything? Well, that's that's understanding the future focus present and past focused energy, mm. right? So 378, yeah. you're always going to think tomorrow is better. So the problem for 378 <laughs> is before you turn the calendar, yeah. you assume for some reason all the things that are happening this month aren't being added to next month. And so therefore, somehow miraculously, you're going to have time next month that you don't have today. 
And so that's an important thing for you to notice is that's not true. Like take the time to fill out the calendar in advance. If you always go to the gym at eight o'clock, make sure that shows up next month before you add, like you have to actually subtract. Ones, twos, and sixes, your energy is going to be focused on the to-do list for today, which is great, but you still need some inspiration to get you into the future. And you need to be able to look back to the past and learn from it. Yeah. Four, fives, and nines are really good at remembering. They're good at like noticing and wisdom and discernment and all that, but they don't always have the energy to go and try that new thing. And so three, sevens, and eights, the struggle of that gift of going into the future is they don't always notice their limits. Four, fives, and nine sometimes think their limits are sooner than they actually are, right? And so having a coach is one of the best things you can do because it's, it's somebody outside of your brain saying, did you notice this? Yeah. And do you want to keep that thought or do you want to keep that energy invested over here when you say the result you want is actually over there? Yeah. We were talking about this on the episode we did on human design where in our culture these days, it's very much just like schedule the creativity and schedule this thing and do it and just push through. And that doesn't really work for everybody. But do you find that to be the case where it's like some types, they just need to kind of honor where they're in, whereas others really require that accountability and that that momentum and and things like that. I think we all need both, right? You need balance, right? Balance is the key, balancing the three centers of intelligence, balancing the three different instincts. And so one of the best things you can notice about yourself is your energy, right? If you have physical energy in the morning, try to do physical things then. If you need Mm. mental energy for something later in the day, how do you rest mentally? So we don't have even good tools around these things. How do you rest emotionally? When you've given out for the last year and a half emotionally, how are you gonna recover from that? So that's one of the important things for you to become a really good student of. And and then um, the final thing I would say about the different energy types is, it always will be better for you if you can have somebody else to talk to about this. Three sevens and eights, you're always gonna think you can put more in that calendar than you should. Four fives and nines, you're probably not putting enough out there, especially a nine, right? A nine is trying to keep the peace, sometimes at the expense of their own dreams. Fives in general believe they have the least amount of energy. Eights in general believe they have the most energy and both could learn from the other. The five probably has a little bit more than they think and the eight probably should rest a little more than they do. Yeah. So obviously we've established that it goes a lot deeper than just the number you think you are. There's a, there's a lot that goes to this. That being said, what would you say to someone who um, maybe before this episode or, or still now is sort of like, I think I'm this number and because of that, I just like, I can't put myself out there or I can't speak up for myself or I can't be creative or I can't feel my feelings and sort of feels like they can't do the things that they really want to do because of this. What would you say to them? Well, I think that's the important thing for the Enneagram is it's not a box that you're in, right? It's not like I'm a two, so then I must always be helpful and I can't go into the future. It's information about what's easiest for you, but we were created to grow. So with a growth mindset, take the information of the Enneagram and then use the tools that are available to help yourself grow. And I think if we just always start from a place of love, that's what creativity truly is, right? Is from a place of love, noticing feelings, noticing words, noticing actions and putting them out for the rest of the world to see and to receive. So start from a place of love, notice what is easy for you and then have a growth mindset that you're willing to stretch into those places that don't come naturally. I love that. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an incredible episode. And tell us where we can connect with you more, where we can learn more about the Enneagram from you and how to keep in touch. 
Great. Yeah. So my website is kellytibbets.com and there's two I's, two B's and two T's. So no E's in that one. I'm on Facebook and on Instagram and I have a great six week self-led class where you can um, walk starting with the instincts through six different sessions on the Enneagram. And then from there, um, you get a one-on-one -on -one with me to help you find your type for that purpose, right? To be able to use that information to create the results in your life that you want. So it was so fun to meet you, Katie. I'm glad I was able to be here. Me too. And everyone, like we said, either, you know, take a couple quizzes, listen through this episode, see what really resonates, and then screenshot this episode, tag me and Kelly in it, and let us know what type you are and what your biggest takeaway was. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on today. Thanks, Katie. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.